and welcome back to Minds of Metal. My name is Daria. And I'm Laz. And today we are reviewing Opeth's Ghost Reveries. How exciting. We're getting into some progressive death metal today. Um, yeah, and there's really exciting one. This album is probably one of my top 20 favourite metal albums of all time. I think it's wow. outstanding, close to perfection. Um, can't wait to do it. So it's another one of our modern metal review series. Uh, should we get started? Yeah. Excellent. A few little details about the album. Uh, obviously, the artist is uh, Opeth, Swedish uh, death metal band that sort of turned progressive death metal. Um, the album is called Ghost Reveries. It was released on the 29th of August 2005, and it was recorded uh, between March and June of the same year. So they got a pretty quick turnaround, you know, a couple yeah. months in the studio, one month of mixing, and then it was ready. Um, the producer was Jens, Brog Jens Bogren and Opeth, which is a little different because... The three albums previously were produced by Porcupine Tree singer and guitarist Stephen Wilson, so they kind of changed things up a bit here. Uh, and the length of the album is one hour and six minutes. Uh, it consists of eight tracks, yeah. and we're going to get into the first of them now. Straight away, in Ghost of Perdition, you're just like, you just hear this out-of-this-world growls. His growls are just insane. Yeah, I think it's also important to let people know that the whole of this album, except from the playing, the whole of this album is done by the lead singer and lead guitarist, Mikhail Ackerfeldt. Um, he wrote everything. He wrote the lyrics. He's written every every part of the song. Uh, and he... <coughs> bless you. And he is a... Sorry. That's, that's how good a pet bar is. So good. Um, <laughs> He, he, he's responsible for everything you hear. Uh, yeah. and again, just to reiterate, not in terms of playing, you know, he has instrumentalists in the band. That's why the band are called Opeth. But everything that's written down, all the lyrics you're hearing are from one man. And I think it's just a, a compositional masterpiece, yeah. if, I, if I do say so. But yeah, Ghost of Edition, you mentioned, it's, it's a great track to start with because you've got those really harsh growls there. Mm. And not so, not, not a little bit after those growls, it kind of changes up straight away, it keeps yeah. it heavy, but then he brings in the cleaner vocals. And his clean tone. I mean, it just sounds so sophisticated. Yeah, and it's I a really lovely, love it. and it's a lovely contrast to these harsh growls which you're hearing. Yeah. Um, now, because it's a progressive death metal album, we're expecting to hear some prog. So what I mean by prog, I'm thinking classically influenced music and solo sections, yeah. odd time signatures, yeah. tempo changes, things that sound a little different, a little odd. And we get that. There's a 6-8 section in terms of time signature. There is a section in 6-8 near the start of the song, which just deviates straight away from what we're expecting. Yeah. Um, the soft guitar that comes in after the first few minutes of the heavier stuff is very proggy, very atmospheric. Quite enjoyed that. Um, what else did you enjoy that song? I really love that acoustic guitar section and where you've got the all these R's coming in. The Yeah, really, really like, nice. It's just beautiful. It's I lovely. feel like it's just, it has vocal harmonies as well, doesn't it? And it's again, it's another change. This is what I really sort of, I really like that about this album. There's so many changes going on, but they just make sense. Mm, yeah. So in, in to agree with that, I think 
what we're gonna do guys for this album is because the songs are so long you know if we were doing yeah. songs that were like four minutes long we could say oh the verse section but because these songs are long in each uh song we've got a couple of moments or i have anyway where i want to draw your attention to things so i'm going to give you a timestamp for the song so for example uh five minutes 55 to seven minutes 38 of ghost of Posi uh, perdition I just love, there was a seamless transition. You go from like this hard rock sounding section. And when I say hard rock, you're obviously hearing heavy metal music, but his vocals are soft and he's singing. So that's why I'm using the word rock for that. Then it seamlessly transitions to death metal, where you get these heavy riffs with the double bass drums going and his growling. And then after that, you're transferred again to like this proggy, atmospheric, orchestral sound. Um, so check that out between five minutes 55 and seven minutes 38. Just listen to how they go from one into the other, into the other, seamlessly, perfect songwriting. It is a good idea to give timestamps. It's just because you guys know we can't play music in the video. Um, it's, uh, I think that for me, I told you that when we were listening to it, yeah. that I kind of lost count. You, got changes. you get lost I in it. I get lost in it. I, I honestly do. And there's a song, a song Atonement, I think it's track six or uh, track four. Um, the song seems like it ends and then there's yeah. 30 seconds more of music at the end. I know. <laughs> That's just like, wait, hold on, is this the same song? Yeah. I was like, yeah, so. I did get lost and I, I think I need another few listens to really. Yeah, I feel like with progressive music in general, whether you're listening to classic plog, prog, uh, plog? prog rock like Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, or whether you're listening to this kind of extreme death metal prog, you've got to pay attention because <laughs> it's yeah. not like, okay, yeah. oh, right, the verse is done now, I'm onto the chorus, yeah. let's sing it. You know, there, there's intentional complexity within the music. And I think that, you know, guys like Mikhail deserve your attention to listen to it's, it. So I'll tell you more. Like you say verse, chorus, like, I didn't even... I didn't even realize what which is verse, which is chorus. I was just like, I'm just gonna just embrace go with the this. Flow. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with the flow. Shall um, we? Uh, do you have any other? Final yeah, just one more it? part about Ghost of Perdition is beginning at four minutes twenty two. Um, we got that fantastic part, which is like. Um, darkness died inside, and da 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 goes in. But what I love is that you get that section repeated several times, but they change tiny details of it every time you get the first part then the second repeat you get the same soft vocals but he harmonizes he puts the harmony on top of it so that's another texture added another change then you get that section repeated again so we're on the third time now and on the fourth time the double the, the the bass drum it goes from doing what it does in the first three repeats and then the bass drum on the fourth time just goes like that and it's little changes like that, that to me make the song so worth listening to the duration of it so track two is a track called The Baying of the Hounds. And I love this one as well because it feels very similar to Ghost of Perdition. It's long, it's got these proggy breakdown sections. We've got some clean vocals, but we kick off with like, you know, the heaviness, the dark growls and everything. Um, one thing I wanted to draw your attention to was, it's actually just one note or chord, for example. <laughs> Three minutes 15 into the song, you hear one note being played on the guitar. It goes and they let it ring out. Now, the reason I want to draw your attention to this is because that note, yes, there's a bass and drum groove going on underneath it, but 
that one note is left for 15 seconds. And as you've heard me say in multiple videos before, and you will hear me say plenty more in the future, my favorite quote about music is it's not the notes you play, it's the space you leave. And leaving one note for 15 seconds, I think is it's brave. It's like, you know, 15 seconds is a long time. In a three minute song, 15 seconds is one twelfth of a song. But yet Opeth have allowed that space to be there because they've let the note fully die down before going into the dun, 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 boom, boom, boom. It just completely helps change the atmosphere and the dynamic of yeah. the song. And it builds the suspension. Yeah, You're like, absolutely. what's going to happen next? Absolutely. Honestly, this is what I was like the whole album. I was like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> yeah. Because you honestly, you can't tell. Like, I told you this as well. I was like... You know how usually, well, because I'm a singer, like when I sing melodies and I just hear like new melodies, I can sort of guess where the melody is going so I can just sing the next notes in the chord or something, yeah. you know? I couldn't do it here. There's, I was too, like, there's too much just, going on. Like, it's great. You can't do that's, that. That's not a bad thing when I said too no, much no, going it's, on. It's, it's just complicated. It's complex. It's, it's so just full of different dynamic changes actually as well you know in this song in particular i really liked that yeah. i also really love the keys here yeah yeah well they they got a new keyboardist in so in the previous three albums which were blackwater park damnation and deliverance they didn't have a keyboard player as part of the band but mm. stephen wilson who we mentioned um produced for porcupine uh produced this and is the guitarist and singer for Porcupine Tree, he played the keyboards and the piano on the previous three albums. But for this album, they decided to get a new keyboardist in, and a gentleman called Per Weiberg. Um, and I think him coming in has completely added a lot. And we'll talk about keyboards later on, because they amazing. do become more predominant yeah. through the song. Really, really um, amazing. Well, my last point about Baying of the Hounds is, listen from 7 minutes 28 to 9 minutes 06. You've got that fantastic section that just spans multiple different styles and I don't I'm not trying to draw attention to oh they've gone from a proggy section to a rock section to a classical section I just want you guys to listen to how it flows and it's like one mm. long classical piece of music mm. in a progressive death metal song explain what you mean by classical so I mean the note choices um mm. you know and the way he's composing them the yeah. or the instruments the pair pairs choosing to use on his keyboard um, especially towards the end of that little one and a half minute section I gave you. It feels like a classical composition. It feels like, it's not like, to me anyway, it doesn't feel like Mikhail's playing the guitar notes and they're going, oh yeah, let me jam on this. It feels to me like Mikhail has composed this and written this and he says, right, I'm playing this chord here. Give me this chord on the piano, but break it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like it, everything has a purpose to it. Yeah. And that is a huge part of progressive music in general. You know, progressive rock, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Keith Emerson was a huge classical music fan and he brought his classical music knowledge into progressive rock. And that's why his piano solos, even in a progressive rock sounding song, sound classical. And I think yeah. we kind of get the same vibes here. Yeah. Although the tone's different, it's a bit darker. It's a bit more metal. It's a bit more um, proggy in that sense. Yeah, well, because if you take the heaviness out of it, the bass will sound classical, yep. you know, in some places like like what you mentioned yep. and stuff. So yeah, I completely get that. And if you keep the if you if you can if you link the chords and if harmonically 
what you're playing in this classical section resembles what you're playing in the death metal section, then it doesn't matter that mm -hmm. they're two different types of music because harmonically the chords link. And we all know how metal and classical music are actually very connected, very but that's another episode. The next track is called Beneath the Maya. And straight away, it's just such a wicked opening riff. Yeah, I keyboard heavy. I absolutely love it. Yeah, keyboard heavy. And it's just very memorable, isn't it? It's, it's really, simple. Yeah, simple. And it sets the mood to yeah. the whole song. Absolutely. I mean, you've got these kind of Middle Eastern vibes being played in the melody. And the interesting thing is that... You know, you, you hear these scattered throughout the album, these kind of little Middle Eastern motifs and yeah. licks coming up every now and then, but it works really well here. Um, you've got odd time signatures throughout. They kind of sort of mess about with that and you can, you feel a little uncomfortable, you know, you're trying to rock away, but then, oh, so, like, <laughs> yeah. you're, they're playing a seven, eight somewhere and you're like, you've missed half a beat. Um, there's another thing I want to draw your attention to here is the, the ending because you get that weird ending where the kind of the instruments fade out and you're just left with the keyboard yeah. playing an almost jazz solo. Just just take a note of that, a jazz solo in a progressive death metal mm. song. Um, but again, doesn't sound out of place. No. Is, is it heavy? No. Is it the heaviest part of the song? Not at all. But it fits as an ending. The way this, yeah. the journey the song takes you on and then fades out with those last minute or 30 seconds or whatever it is, just this little jazzy keyboard in the back. It's a I nice just, little touch. I've enjoyed that so much. And... You know, those growls that you have in the first track, they really throw you off and all your expectations from this album go completely out of the window yeah, as you listen to this album. I completely agree because from your first minute of hearing Ghost of Perdition, if you're yeah. not into growls and screams, you might turn it off, yeah. but you shouldn't because Ooh. there's so much more to come in this album. So track four of this album is called Atonement, and it's really one of the first songs that kind of deviates from this progressive death metal sort of vibe that we're hearing in the first three tracks. Um, I thought the addition of the keyboard in the intro is really good because this is where it feels like Opeth actually needed a new keyboard, uh, you know, a new sound coming in to add that texture, and I thought it really worked here. Yeah, I just think it's a very different sound. It's like, a, it's like we're having a little rest. Yeah. From the heaviness. A little break. A yeah. little break before we keep going. So yeah, really love that one as well. And they do it throughout. You kind of have a couple of heavy songs, a little short rocky one, and more heavy ones. Um, one thing I liked is in the verse, listen to that tension that's created. You've got these weird kind of scales. It's like... With the little, I don't know what he's playing, some bongos in the background. Yeah. And it sounds odd. It doesn't sound stable. There is tension created, but then it's completely resolved with the... And then back into the groove. And you just get that sense of familiarity and stability back. So I thought that was really cool with this song. I, just, I love percussion on it. Yeah. I do. It's different. It is. And you just want to vibe with it. It's like you just, just want yeah. to have a little dance yeah. to it. It's good. It's really, really good. Very different. and Not something you'd expect on a death metal. No, not at all. Um, and the other thing you wouldn't expect on a progressive death metal album, which we already had once and we've got again, is a jazz and kind of blues piano solo. Mm -hmm. Four minutes ten into this song, listen to it. There's the piano right at the end, just playing these little jazzy blues notes. You could hear that in a hotel bar. You could be <laughs> sip, sipping, sipping on your cocktail in a hotel bar and hear music like this being played behind. Fantastic, fantastically unique and odd thing to add to a track like this. 
So track five of this album is called Reverie slash Harlequin Forest. And I like how this one just kind of kicks off straight in with the rocky soft vocals um, and then the drum feel that gets you into it, the heaviness. It is hard rocky in the sense of there's no growls and screams, but I still love it anyway. It's a great intro to the track. What do you think? I think it's, I, I love the melodies there. I really want to sing along to them and it's just so great lovely. Point, yeah. Really, really lovely. I also just, something like a little detail I picked up on, um, around seventh minute, I think that is, I love the dual guitars are playing like this melody, really beautiful. And behind that, we just have bass playing very simple notes. Yeah. And which is, I was like, oh, that, that's really simple for this album. Like, really. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we've identified, you know, the hard rocky kind of sections with heavy music and rock vocals, the progressive side of it and the classical side of it, the death metal side of it. Yet we're still getting traditional metal with the dual lead guitars. Yeah. Uh, this is fantastic. Just another another piece of songcraft that Mikhail can add to yeah. his amazing repertoire. Um, talking of simplicity, I love the riff eight minutes twelve to nine minutes thirty. That's again, I don't even know the notes. It's hard to sing, but it goes something like Now that's a. It, it might take you a few goes to nail that on bass or guitar. But in, in terms of speed and, you know, how easy it is to play, I think it's a simple riff. Not the most simple Relatively, ever. Relatively. Relatively. Yeah. Not the most simple ever, but in the context of the album. And I just love how the simplicity, pairing it with the variety of textures that come underneath. Yeah. It doesn't sound simple unless you break it down yeah. and just identify one riff. I think that's fantastic. And that section I was talking about, 8.12 to 9 minutes 30, it goes on and on. You repeat that riff, but with various layers, instruments, textures coming in and out. And we, I said this with um, Ghost of Perdition, where yeah. they repeated one section, then added vocal harmonies, then changed it. You know, they're masterful of doing this. Yeah. Anything else about this one? Well, we can't miss out the ending of this song, those hits. I don't oh, know, yeah. how do you play God. that? <laughs> Timing on that, uh, it's, it's just crazy. We tried to listen to it yesterday, <laughs> tried to do the hits, it, it, it's just, and we watched a live version and yeah. they nailed it. They do, it's so tight. Fantastic musicianship, and I agree with you, those odd time signatures, the syncopated hits, very odd. Um, I just want to draw attention, you know, the song's called Harlequin Forest, and to me that evokes some sort of mythical, legendary folk tale. I don't know, I haven't looked into the lyrics of this one. But listen to his vocals between 7 minutes 20 and 7 minutes 47. It sounds folky to me. I don't know why, but he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, the other saying, like, just these, these, in the, I don't know what he's doing with his vocals, but it really just evokes some folkiness to me. Yeah, if you just, again, just extract his vocal melody, forget about what's, what else is there, and just listen to some of the melody, you'll hear the folkiness. Yeah. yeah, and it's just interesting, again, another tiny little detail from another, you know, borrowing from another genre just to make this album and make this song even better. Um, you already mentioned the twin leads, they're brilliant. My favourite part is the ending, where 9 minutes 31... And now the woods are burning. I just, I goosebumps every time. There you go, see him again. Um, yeah, one of my favourite songs in the album. Maybe, maybe my favourite song. Um, yeah, fantastic okay. one. 
So the next track is track six and it's called Hours of Wealth. It's another one of those sort of softer ones, isn't yeah. it? Like softer. I'm using the term soft rock because I suppose it is soft rock in comparison to Ghost of Perdition. Yeah. But um, it's a nice one, this one. Lovely acoustic intro. And it's almost classical in terms of the instrumentation you're hearing. You know, yeah. I know that he's playing the flute melody on the keyboard, but still someone had to choose which instrument they wanted him to play. And I think you're hearing classical guitar, your flute. There's other, I think there's some strings in there as well. It just sounds like an orchestra playing something. And I love that because after that section's done, and it does go on for a couple of minutes, I think, yeah. it completely changes to an electric piano and his vocals, which oh. typically, apart from, you know, opera, you don't have vocals in classical music and you don't have electric Hammond piano or whatever it is. So I love that they just, whilst the vibe and the feel stays the same, they've gone from a whole classical section to a modern section. And I just yeah. think that's a fantastic bit of songwriting that it's, they didn't make it obvious. They didn't say, hey, we're ending the classical section now, and here's where we're going to put in the electric keyboard and the vocals. Just another seamless transition. The next track is called The Grand Conjuration, and it's another track where we've got this really mem memorable opening riff you know yeah. And, yeah. and it's memorable because of how odd it is you've got those syncopated hits it's uneasy it's uneasy straight off you're like oh hold on, <laughs> hold on. Where, where's the one where do i bang my head to you know you don't use the yeah exactly um <laughs> The instant syncopation and odd hits is really cool. I love the variety of the dynamic between the verse and the chorus because you've got the verse, which is all the way down here. It's like, sit myself to the ground. And the chorus, the eyes. Proper heavy, then they're full in. The, the sort of the distance between those dynamics, I think is fantastic and really well written. Yeah, you know, it's such a funny thing that just came to my mind. You know that beginning bit? Yeah. It's like I felt like I am driving through the night. Scared? Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I, I, I'd class it as like a doom metal riff. Yeah. I think it's very so, scary, very haunting. Yeah. Not you don't need to have know a particular scale to play that riff. It's literally like they just chosen three three notes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Really cool. Um Again, it's little textures and little layers that they add here that I really love. Uh, verse two, when it repeats it, you've got that little guitar adding. Just behind the vocals. Yeah. And in the chorus, um, when the chorus repeats for the second time at three minutes, 08, they comes in with the keys. Yes, yeah, so like little add-ons. Yeah. Tiny little details that just enhance the song and make each section much better. Yeah. Um, really love the percussion again. Yeah. Bongo's keeping it groovy. Yeah. I think it's Bongo's. <laughs> Whatever it is, it is groovy. Yeah. yeah. So groovy. And then my last point of this is that main riff. The doo -doo -doo. Check it out. From seven minutes until the end of the song, that's that's all you hear, that riff. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it goes to Perdition. And what was the other one? Um, Harlequin Forest, I think. They're just changing things up, changing the drum pattern, changing the kick drum pattern, taking in an instrument, taking out an instrument. Three and a half minutes of the same riff, but yeah, it doesn't feel like that. No. I think it's fantastic songwriting, it's brilliant stuff.
The last track is called Isolation Years, and I think it's just the ballad of the album, isn't it? It's another one of Hours of Wealth, Atonement, isn't it? Just a yeah. little break from the heavy stuff yeah. that we're given. Just really lovely end to the album, and everything is so smooth and legato-y. Yeah, I really yeah. love that. Yeah, you're right, and I think, there's funny enough, there is some more dual lead guitars here as well, and they really reminded me of Avenged Sevenfold. I don't know why. I just... Oh my word, when you pointed that out, I was like, yeah. yes, I can hear that. But no, 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 I don't mean the dual guitars throughout the album, just these ones. Have a yes. listen. Just, you, you can imagine Sinister Gates and Zaki Vengeance sort of stood up there with Mikhail Ackerfeld doing their <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, now, the one thing that I thought... I thought this was such a fantastically emotional end to the album because you've got his sweet, soft voice playing, you've got the guitars and the chord choices. I mean, the chord choices are just fantastic. And the way that the song develops, I love that chorus, like, girl, she's da -da -da -ba -da gone. And it's like a ballad, a 6-8. Isolation. Yeah. Ah, I, I love this one. It's another goosebumpy one for me. But yeah, what a fantastic ch a choice of chords that they use. Um, really makes the song feel sweet and almost emotional. Like, yeah. you're kind of with him on this, aren't you? Whatever he's singing about. But yeah, fantastic end to the album. Um, and that's it for the track by track. We're now going to sum up our thoughts and tell you what we think of the album. So, as we mentioned at the top of this video, this is one of my all-time favourite heavy metal albums, so obviously I might be a little biased. Um, here are some of the things I love. Every section in every song is given the time it needs to breathe and expand and take us on this journey. As I mentioned in Baying of the Hounds, that one note that's held for 15 seconds means so much to me because it could have been rushed. It could have been five seconds, 10 seconds, but they said, we need the fullest amount of time we can give this before changing section. And that means a lot to me because it means that Mikhail Ackerfeld has purposely sat there and said, I don't mind how long this song is. I need it to have its space. Yeah. Another thing I love is that the first two tracks are both the fantastic example of Opeth's progressive death metal sound and even Grand Conjuration to add to that. Every other track kind of explores various avenues that they've gone towards. You know, atonement and isolation yeah. years, look at the softer, rocky side. Reverie is more kind of death metal and less progressive, I'd say. But I just love the first two tracks are like, right, here's what you're in for. And everything else, we're going to just take you on different avenues of that. Um, it's, this kind of links back to what I was saying about the length of the songs. But what I love about this album is if you go to the last minute of every song, and then go back to the beginning of the song, they sound nothing alike. Yes. <laughs> in normal, accessible mainstream metal, you might have an intro verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, outro. And the outro might be the same as the intro. But in this album, like you could go to any part of the song and yeah. you wouldn't know where you are or if it was the same song. Um, beautiful addition and inclusion of other styles and genres as tasty enhancements but never overtaking the fact that this is progressive death metal. We've got the jazzy and the blues solo at the end of that one song, the jazzy keyboard solo at the end of the other song. Um, and I think they're lovely little embellishments, little things that make the song better, but never say, oh, look, we're playing some jazz now. You know, but hey, we're, we're a prog death metal band, but check it out, we're playing jazz. They don't need to do that. It works with the music and the song. And my final point is that 
it's always actually linked to that, is that the album is kept so interesting by mixing everything up. And as I mentioned in Ghost of Perdition, the seamless transition from hard rock with clean vocals into death metal with screaming vocal, with growls, into progressive slash classical lengthy instrumental sections. And because they do that so well, and because he composes and writes that music so fantastically, it keeps the music so interesting, keeps the listener on their toes, and it's just a pleasure to... I think you can play this to a progressive rock fan, a death metal fan, um, and a normal metal fan, for example. And I think they'd all find stuff throughout the album that they'd enjoy. For me personally, I'm just completely blown away by the fact that one guy wrote this. And... Wait, I'll tell you, there's 12 other albums he's done uh, as well. <laughs> wow. And it, there's just so much work, because... I yeah. mean, there's just, it's just so much work it's and so much to consider and yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. And as you said about the structures of the song, I don't know whether it was, this album was revolutionary in writing, etc, etc, but I'm sure it, you know, it really left its mark mm. on other people's composing. Yeah, well, I haven't actually sort of studied progressive death. <laughs> it's such a, such a niche, obscure yeah. category, isn't it? I haven't studied uh, the history of progressive death metal yet, but what I do know is that this is a landmark album for that. Whether, whether people were doing this kind of music for five or six years before, or whether this was the first one, to combine that heaviness of death metal, the complexity uh, instrumentally of the classical and the prog stuff, and the softer, clean vocals of hard rock. Whether anyone's done all three of them before, I'm not sure, but this album, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say, could be one of the best to have ever done it. Yeah, and I think his growls, I, I told you about this yesterday, didn't I? I was just wondering, you know, from a vocal point of view, whether, because it just doesn't sound like a normal growl to me. Yeah, you said about It this. doesn't sound like that. And I feel like he's got like some tissues in his throat or in his larynx, just like vibrating with it. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's just vocal science really, isn't it? And everyone's different. So this is why we all have different tones, you know, everyone has different like throat, mm. these are the other structures, you know, and I'm just amazed by that because it's such a different growl tone, so and they're, low. They're dark and haunting so and yeah. scary, aren't they? Do you think, do you find it a scary album to listen to? Not anymore. No? Because <laughs> he's such a nice guy. I mean, yeah. look at this, look at this for an album cover. That's scary. You know, yeah, go and Google okay. it. I'm doing that so it doesn't reflect. But you've got like candle lit, a piece of, you know, a window with a figure there with the There's candle. There's someone in the window it. as well. I know, like, uh, yeah. No, but, um, fantastic stuff. I mean, it's one yeah. album. There's the back cover for anyone interested. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and go ahead and listen to Opeth's Ghost Reveries once again. Yeah, I, I'd say even if this is the kind of music you don't normally go for, Go for it. Don't judge it on the first minute of Ghost of Perdition because there is so much more in the album. And I think people, you know, I think Mikhail Ackerfeld deserves in people to go listen to it at least once because there's so much good stuff here. And please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to our channel for more. It really helps to promote our channel, you know, you supporting us. Thank you so much for that. And share it with any metal fans, prog metal fans, death metal fans that you know, and we'll see you again soon. Have a metal day. Have a lovely day.